everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. What my turning point in my like mental health therapy life is recognizing that there are no perfect people. And it's hard to recognize for me, I had a great childhood, Mm -hmm. but I also had a really messed up childhood in a lot of ways too. Yeah. And they can be one and the same. Welcome to The Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today we're talking, just the two of us, about last week's episode with Bonnie Williams, the voice actor and business owner of The Voice Over Superhero. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Court, let's get started. Well, one of my biggest takeaways, one of the things I loved that Bonnie introduced us to was the ask hole. I know. Like, what? where's that been all my life? You know what? I actually, like, this is going to sound terrible. And I have to preface this with, like, I love my husband. He's a great person. He's an asshole. But sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like, when you're, like, when he's asking a question about something that you know about, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's, like, most recently, it has always to do with, like, a home project. Like, a home, right. like, renovation project. And you've made the sketch. You've ordered the materials. We've talked about it at some point, And then the project starts. And then he starts asking you all these questions and start questioning the decision to order this, the decision to do this. And I'm, like... The time has passed, buddy. Like, <laughs> this is not the time to start arguing with me about this project that we've already bought all the materials for. That's right. The time was before you bought materials or before you asked me to put yes, the order in. Yes, but now in. I'm the expert because I've done all the research. Mm-hmm. I've made all the decisions. And then you're questioning my expertise. When I'm not really the expert. And sometimes he is correct, but it just annoys me that, like, why didn't you bring this to my attention three months ago? Yeah. Whatever. But yeah. But I love but, that. Side note, ask Cole, yes, I did love that. If it's a lot of things with the venue, like when people ask you things about the venue, like either like other people opening venues or like planners or whatever, and it's like they're asking for your expertise, but they don't want to hear it. Like they really were just trying to maybe confirm a narrative that you just can't confirm. Yeah, but to me, it's more of like you get a lot of this. What's the best way to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. Whether it's what's the best way to seat 200 people in your ballroom? Right. I'm like, well, this is the best way like well, why can't you do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. The freaking, it's been a pandemic. We've never had 200 people in the ballroom. Mm-hmm. All I'm telling you is what I know, the expertise that I have of this floor plan. And you can try it out. I was like, you certainly can pull out some tables and chairs and see if it fits. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it as much on the consulting side of things because I feel like people at this juncture yeah. in our business, like when people approach us for consulting advice, they genuinely take it. They don't argue with us. Which I thought like brought up a really great point that she made was, which was like kind of doing your research, go to coaches, people who have done things that you've wanted to do, pay for it. Because I think, I think that's so important. Like, I think when you pay for something, you have skin in the game and you take it more seriously. You take their words more seriously. There's definitely been times that we've done things for free, but I think when you actually pay for something, it makes you as the consumer 
really take that advice seriously and honor what that person has said. But I also feel like I find a lot of, a lot of responsibility with that. Like there are people that like you've seen in any industry across the board and you're like, you know, I mean, you know them, but they're like, they've had their business for three or four years. I'm like, I'm consulting. And you're like, what are you, what, what, what are you, you consulting? What on? are you consulting on? And, <laughs> and more power to them. Like yeah. they have that self-confidence to go after it and to do it and to say that they're the expert in the field. But like to me, if I'm going to attach a price to my wisdom, I better sure as fuck know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> right. I like yeah. I need to feel confident in it. And I think for us, I was a little, why it took us so long to actually charge for our expertise because I didn't always feel that way that I knew what I was talking about. And there are certain things I don't like, if you want to come to me, talk about planning, I'm not going to charge you a freaking dime about planning. Cause I'm just going to tell you what I know works. And I think sometimes it was lucky sometimes <laughs> just personality. But if you tell me if you're coming to me out of venue, like, yeah, I have like, yeah, so much knowledge, so much expertise with that. I get hung up in the confidence level of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to verbalize what got us to where we are because there's so like, many so many things. So it's hard to say like, oh yeah, I had the secret sauce. And you're yeah. like, but do you have the secret sauce? But you have I, just a lot of trial and error. Right. But I also think for us the hard part is because so much of what we who we are is uplifting people, which I love that about her. I loved her pay it forward attitude that someone believed in her, mentored her, yeah, cheered her on, even though they were direct competition. And she has done the exact same thing for everyone else in the industry. I feel like right. that it's literally like paying it forward and it is what makes the world go around. And it's, yeah. you know, I love that. But for us, like that is the struggle is because we believe so much in people and we want to be helpful and we want to be encouraging and inspiring that it's hard to be like, I want to do this for you and I want to cheer you on, but pay me money to cheer you on. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, or to give you my secret advice or whatever. Like I, there's so many times I have a, I have a really hard time with that yeah. because I don't, I mean, I just want to tell you what, just like, don't do one, two, three, <laughs> do these two things. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll figure it out. It'll all be okay. Let's do this on the next conversation. Yeah. But like, it's hard because it's not in our natural ability to say like, I, I just want to help you. I just want to be helpful. Yeah. I think she was like, she's totally helpful. I love how she like sets up all this helpful stuff on her website. Like that's a great boundary. It is a great boundary. Yeah. I really like that. And if you want something more than that, Mm -hmm. then reach out. Please contact me. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I thought that was really great and super helpful. Kind of speaks to who she is. I know. Well, I loved also how she uh, promoted um, therapy, like how yeah. important therapy is. Oh, I believe in therapy, hundred percent. It's necessary. Like, I think it's important to like have an outsider that's like not in your bubble to kind of well, point out what's going wrong in your bubble or where maybe you're misconstruing other people in your bubble, you know, or totally. I mean, I think that's super helpful. But I think for me, like, what my turning point in my like mental health therapy life is recognizing that there are no perfect people and it's hard to recognize for me I had a great childhood Mm -hmm. but I also had a really messed up childhood in a lot of ways too yeah and they can be one and the same totally yeah and that I had parents that loved me unconditionally and I never doubted their love for me but they also screwed some things up in me for the rest of my life because of how they raised me. Your kids me. are going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. And I don't think it was becoming a parent that made me realize it. I think it was just becoming an adult and realizing mm-hmm. like how imperfect people are and how, and, and there's like this thing. It was like, well, they tried their best. I, I agree. They tried their best. Yeah. And I agree that I don't think that it was for lack 
of whatever, but everyone has their own demons. Like everyone has their own things that they deal with, their own baggage they're bringing to the plate. And so when I think I recognize that you, you can forgive somebody, you can move on from somebody, you can learn from them. It still means you have to work through it and you have to recognize where your behaviors come from and why you do things you do and recognize it's what it is and move on from it. Yeah. And get over it. And sometimes you can't get over it. And that's okay too. That's another reason why you have therapy is someone who listens to you incessantly about things you can't get over. <laughs> Just talking around the same tree. And they're just like, oh my God, why are you here? Did we not talk about this last month? <laughs> I wonder if they do think that. I'm sure they, they do. Like, have like, like therapist support yeah. groups. I, I'm pretty sure every therapist has a therapist though. Like, do they have a therapist because they're therapists? I'm sure. Even the shit they listen to and like... They're like, I'm triggered. Not even that they're triggered, but just the emotional weight of it all I has know. to be intense. Know, it has to be a lot. We legitimately have a therapy fund for our children. Yeah. Every kid's going to need therapy. Yes. Like you're raised by an imperfect person. Yes. With their own biases. And you can already see it. You can already see the things that like Henry's going to go to therapy for and the things Ada's going to go to therapy for. Like I can see it and you try to change it, but a lot of it too is just who they are. Yeah. It's just who they are. No, but I love that. I love how she talked about um, the importance of therapy because like what kind of led into that conversation was the inner critic. The inner critic. Yeah. Such and a like one of the moment. poignant, most poignant things that I, that I feel like from the interview was our inner critic is always someone else's voice. Cause you're not born with criticism. No. And you can see that in your children. They have no thought in their mind that they're doing anything wrong, that anything until is wrong with them, them until you are. tell them that they are. I know. Which is so depressing to think about it. But sometimes you have to tell them. Because sometimes your behavior affects other people in a negative way. Oh, 100%. So I haven't even actually told you the story. Henry's smart. He's a smart kid, right? He loves school, but yeah. he just doesn't like to do things he doesn't want to do, which is like a normal like nine-year-old boy trait. I get this call from the teacher on Tuesday. He had taken the EOG ELA test on Monday. And he, she calls me. And she's like, uh, Henry failed the EOG. And she's like, he didn't just fail it. He made a 15 on it. He was projected based on all his practice tests to make like a 96, mm-hmm. 97. And she's super concerned. She's like, I'm just worried that like maybe he has like severe test anxiety. Like maybe testing is an issue. So we bring Henry downstairs. We're talking to him. And sure enough, the kid, he was like, I just, it, after many like prodding, like you're not going to get in trouble for this, but like you're going to go into SPED, like special education, <laughs> if you don't tell me why you failed this test. But if you tried your best, it's fine. If this is your best yeah, you can do, I, I don't care, but I don't feel like this is your best based on the practice tests you've done, all these things. And he's like, and, and I asked, I said, when did you finish? Did you finish before the first break? The first break is 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And he had finished for the first break. I was like, Henry, there's no way you could have read 48 questions in 25 minutes. Yeah. And those stories are associated with them. Right. Yeah. And and I said, did you like highlight as you went along and whatever? Did you check your answers? So he, goes, he goes, I checked my answers. It's like, did you highlight? He goes, no, I didn't highlight. And I was like, did you read it? He goes, well, not all of them. <laughs> He just picked random answers because he just didn't want to do it. He's like, and then he started crying. He was like, it was 48 questions. (laughs) Point is, is I said, look, the test is stupid. EOGs are stupid, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I said, but what, do you understand what the test is for? And he was like, no. I was like, well, first off, it tells you whether you should go into fourth grade. And luckily this year, because it's COVID, they're just passing everybody anyways. But like the next year when you take an EOG is going to determine whether you advance to the next grade. And so that's, that's number one. But number two I was like, you just told 
Miss Fowler's principal, the superintendent of Chatham County, and the state of North Carolina that she is a terrible teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally what you did. Because this test isn't just about you. It tells you, it tells us the health of the school. It tells you how good of a job that they're doing. It tells you your teacher is a decent cheap teacher. And just because you didn't feel like you wanted to spend an hour and a half to take your test, like, that was your decision. And so guilt and shame is going to be the topic 100%. of this <laughs> So then he starts crying. Because yeah. he, like, loves Miss Fowler. And thinks <laughs> she's, like, the best teacher. But, I mean, at the same time... I was like, and so we were like, I said, we're not going to punish you for this because I didn't want to associate bad grades with punishment. I said, you have a task this week of something that you hate to do, mm-hmm. right? And he has it in his mind that he's bad at English and he's not. But I was like, we're going to take this task that you hate to do and we're going to make you do it for a week to show you that you have perseverance, mm-hmm. push through it, figure out a way to adjust to it and how you can like get over it and do the job. Yeah. But... To the point, your actions don't just affect you. They affect everybody around you. Yeah. Right. And, like, that's a very selfish example of a nine-year-old boy (laughs) doing that. But I do think there should be consequences for that. I mean, I feel like you have to understand the weight of it, of your actions, and the words that you say, and the things that you do, and how much it affects other people. Absolutely. I totally feel that way. And I'm not one to, like, think about my words a lot of times. So I'm no, sure that I've said things that affect other people that I am unaware of in general. I think my in, intention most of the time is clear, but sometimes my words are not aligning with my intention for sure. Yeah. I mean, like real talk of it, like I don't always know what your intentions are. I don't think your intentions are always like malicious, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, why are, why are you saying this? Like, what is your end game to this conversation that we're having right now? Oh, I think you're like a mode of questioner though. Yeah. Because I don't go into, I don't go into heavy conversations lightly. I don't say something that passes judgment on somebody lightly. Like, but you are, you're, you like, you like to make jokes about it or you like to yeah. like light in a conversation, which isn't always like the healthiest thing to do because they're like, okay, well, now you want to talk about this? Like, <laughs> you want you want to get into this right now? Like, that's not what I want to do right now. I feel like our relationship has been, like, totally an exercise in how important your words are. Because, mm-hmm. like, when you talk about someone else's voice in your head, like, sometimes it's your voice in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm sure sometimes it's my voice in your head. Yeah. You know, so, like, when you're in a close relationship with somebody, like, you could do the most damage with those words. Like those words are like the most important. So is there like something in your head, an inner voice, like my inner voice in your head? Oh, sure. What is it? I don't know if it's a phrase of more than just a feeling Mm -hmm. in general, like, because I don't have like a role in my head of things that like I say or I hear necessarily. It's more of just the emotional side of things of like what I, Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling. I don't really, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things that go through my, <laughs> go through it. I feel like you're setting me up for like a trap here. Like this we're is just, not a trap. I, I'm like, not, we're not, we don't have, I'm not Dana. we don't I'm have a asshole. licensed therapist here to like mediate <laughs> this conversation that's about to happen. No, I think a lot of it is my perception of what you think about me probably more than anything uh-huh. else. I don't even think it's necessarily incorrect. I think it's just the intensity is incorrect, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So like. 
I have a hard time balancing everything right in general in life because I am like such a laser focused person, but I also feel like it's what's made me successful in Mm -hmm. life. Like I don't begrudge it. I just know how to deal with it. And there are times when I draw lines in the sand and I draw boundaries Mm -hmm. that like, this is my max. This is what I can do. Right. And I feel very like it's very off putting, like not when I, not when I create the boundary, but because then it's seen as like, and you said it yesterday, like, oh, like you're so unhappy or you're so this, or you're so that I'm like, that's not actually, I'm not unhappy. I'm just, I'm trying to be better about like recognizing this is my line. This is where I am. And I'm just focused. Like I'm Mm -hmm. focused on what I'm doing to get this job done. And there's a lot of times like, I feel like, I don't even feel like there's like an imbalance, but I feel like you always feel like there's an imbalance. Like we're always on this like seesaw and it's never equal. Like one's always higher, one's always lower. Like always. Oh, you think that I feel like you yes. think that. Yes. No, I, no, I think you feel that. Like in I general. Like that that I feel like, like it's imbalance. There's an imbalance. And not necessarily like one's working harder than the other or whatever. Uh-huh. But there's always like this thing. And like you're always consistently trying to prove to me that that's not the case. That you... Like, I feel like a lot of times... This is a deep conversation. It is. I feel like a lot of times you feel... Like you say the things you say to me because you want me to pat you on the back. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit that you just did that. I, I assumed you were going to do it. Like, I don't need to validate that. Oh, I, def- I think there is times like that. Because I d- definitely need validation from you. Like, I need... Like, I believe in, like, the piggy bank philosophy. Like, you need to put... X number of positive things to have X number of negative things like come out. And sometimes I feel like we operate in a void as a partnership where I'm like, you haven't validated. And I'm not saying like your validation makes me want to do my job. It's not anything like related to that. But as far as like people's opinions of me Mm -hmm. or people's opinions of what I do, I care very little about the, the majority of people's opinions. Like I could give two shits. And you know that about me, yeah. but you're one of the people that unfortunately I could give a shit about. And unfortunately, that's not like your natural thing is to say, and it's not my natural thing either, for sure. But it's one of the things that I feel, you know, like good, bad, whatever. Like maybe this is our life journey, you know, to learn how to operate with two people who are not validating people and op- like working in a partnership. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. So I definitely feel that way. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally accurate. I'm not looking for the pat on the back, but I'm looking for like some acknowledgement, damn it, because you just like ripped me a new one three times. So like acknowledge something good that I did. Yeah, but I think I think too, like a lot of it is, and I, and this is where I struggle with a lot of, like, because I'm a fair person. Like I believe in fairness. Oh, I know. Like we all know this black, white, justice, blah, blah, whatever. And I recognize that like I'm not mentally cut out to carry the mental weight of anything in my life. Like I can't carry the mental weight of my children. I can't carry the mental weight of my marriage. Like I need partnerships in my life, which Mm -hmm. is why I like attach to people and I have close relationships because I need that. I need a friend that's going to equally reach out to me just as much as I'm going to reach out to them. Like I can't be the one that's consistently texting Mm -hmm. that friendship will fail. That is a hundred percent. And so I know that about myself because I probably back down to like, I get laser focused and I forget everything else is going on around Uh me. And so when like the mental load of certain things, like 
I think you have like the mental load of like what's the activities at the Bradford, what's going on and mm-hmm. how it looks. Like I don't ever think about that. Mm-hmm. That's not my natural inclination, but there is a lot like mental load on my plate when it comes to it. And sometimes, and I feel like you're very much like, I can say, I need you to do these 10 things. And I know that if I tell you to do those 10 things, those 10 things are going to get done. Yeah. I don't question whether it's going to, it may not be in the timeline that I find to be like satisfying, <laughs> but I know it's going to get done eventually. And I just, yeah. I've learned to let go of that, but it's hard to be the one that has the mental load. It's hard to be the one that thinks about all the random things you know, here, there, and everywhere. And then it's gotten like better, but that's not your strength either. Like to think about all the little things that need to get done or all the the small things or whatever. So I think for me, a lot of it comes down to like, that's where I recognize like, I'm not good at that. You're not necessarily good at that, but it's not like we share that fully. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think there's definitely aspects of the business mental load wise that you carry and there's aspects of the business mental load wise that I carry and there's aspects of the business that just are like reactionary it's like whack-a-mole well like yeah it just pops up but it but really and like I've dissected this many a times with my husband it really what it comes down to is what you care about mm-hmm. and I think that's what's hard is we care about different things mm-hmm. and so and it, but well, also that's what's great it is, but like yeah. it's hard because like what I find to be valuable and I care about mm-hmm. like and I'll always care about what you care about. Like I, I don't I just don't care about it. Like yeah, I don't I think it's something to we worry would have or stress. Literally no alive grass or I didn't fret about, about it. it or whatever the case may be, right? Like it's just that's not the case. Yeah. You know, it it's definitely a struggle. I mean, I think inner critic wise, I mean, you're definitely a voice if you could say that. I think Sam's a voice in my head. Yeah. Like I think, I think I'm just hard on myself, but I don't even know where it comes from. Like, I don't know where like body image comes into or where it came from yeah. or is or what. I don't really know. Yeah. Cause I can't like pinpoint a moment where I was like, this is what I was told. And therefore I believe this about myself. Yeah. I feel like to me, that's just like osmosis of just like what the images you're constantly surrounded by. No one ever told me I was fat. Like no one ever told me I was not good enough or not pretty enough or anything like that. Right. There was never that. It's just like what you're surrounded by. Like, oh, this is a standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. This is what the ideal female should look like. Thank you for being candid. Some of those things are not off. I like that. You like that I know you that well, that yeah. I'm not off? That like, so my, all my angst is valid angst? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's valid. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I really loved too, like, and I feel like this kind of cuts into that as well, but her conversation about toxic people and how like yeah just naysayers in your life and recognizing that and just i think did you ever have toxic people toxic that toxic people that just were mean to be mean or they were because she way she said it, she's like people are really close to me and then they said these things and i was like well obviously they didn't really care about you if they said these horrible terrible things to you i've never really i've never really encountered what i would consider like a toxic friend that would like speak to me like to my soul such that it would affect what I was doing or not doing. I've definitely encountered that like in our industry where it's been like people saying things that are defamatory or that aren't true or that I know are rooting against us. Right. You know, like those kind of things, but it's not like I don't take it personally because I think there's like a quote that we put on um, Hustle and Gather one time that was like, I don't care what you think about me because I don't think about you at all. 
You know what right, I mean? Like, right. it's a, very much like that. There's like a lot of people in our circle that I don't think about at all. So what their thoughts of me are slim to none, you know? Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I've gotten to the point where, and I struggled with this. So like, this is earlier this week, we had this wedding mm-hmm. and there was a vendor on site who like does not like us for some reason. And we don't really actually know why they don't like us. I'm oh, sure, yes, this, yes. I'm sure it's something that one of us said at some point or whatever. See, I don't think about that person at all. Right. There you go. I forgot that happened. But this person was so, and she always has been so rude and yeah, so disrespectful. Rude. And I had to have a conversation with her the week before, and she was fine on the phone, just very professional. And that's the thing. You, I can be professional. We don't have to be BFFs. I don't have to tell you my life story. I don't have to be yeah. – uh, but I'm going to say hi to she you. She does the podcast for that. Yeah. <laughs> I can say hi to you. I can be kind. I can respect you as professional. And that's as far as our relationship has to go. And I am A-okay with that. Like, yeah. I have no issues with that. What I have an issue with is when you're rude and you're mean and you're disrespectful to my business, to my staff, to somebody else, and, like – you were said like you walked over and you said hey and she looked at you and like didn't even acknowledge it didn't I was even there. acknowledge you said hey and like walked the other way I know and so and our event manager our event director I'm talking to her and I was like how the wedding go and she mentioned this vendor and said she was so rude and so mean mm-hmm. just so disrespectful and I was like blacklist it yeah like just like, blacklist her anything. I don't owe you anything I don't need yeah. you here. Yeah. Like there's nothing in me if you can't even have the decency to be a professional at my space, then our 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 relationship is ended. But I struggled, like I so badly just wanted to send an email and be like, <laughs> "Why are you such a horrible human? <laughs> why? Like, why why are you so mean? Like give me the feedback. Let me know so yeah. I can at least like stop being curious about it at the end of the day." But what, who's that going to serve? It's going to serve nobody. It's not going to solve anything. All it's going to create is some kind of like petty email thing back and forth or whatever. But I still struggle with I not. I think you could be like a West Side Story dance off. I mean, like, <laughs> I just, I still struggle with it. Like just letting it go and recognizing that person has their own beef for whatever reason it is. They're not my friend. They, they bring no value to my life. Like, yeah, so why but, do I care? Well, yeah, but that's one of those people that, how they interact with you has more to do with what's going on with them than it has to do with you. Like at this point, like we have so little interaction with this person, right. so little. And every interaction is so negative. Is so negative that it's like, what are you harboring? Why can't you let this go? Why can't you even just let us know what it is that offended you such that we could like either like fix it, fix it, address it, address it, or just agree that right agree that that is like how we feel right and then move on like at least you're validated in your feelings but you've spent so much time and energy and I think what kills me is there have been people that have like wronged me right in this industry there have been people that have been and there's not a huge I mean like I can count on one hand right like it's and being in the industry for 16 years I feel like that's pretty decent right but I would never behave that way like I don't ignore people out of sheer fact to ignore them like I can express my dislike for you and I will be the first one to tell you like there was a vendor <laughs> at the, our very first COVID wedding and her and oh, yes. the videographer didn't wear a mask and my staff was like super upset about it and so I wrote this email and I was like I'm really disappointed and like she came back and she was like oh the bride didn't care blah 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 whatever you know I'm like you know whatever but we worked through it but I'm gonna tell you when I feel like I disagree with your actions in the nicest way and kindest way possible you know especially something like that like you're you're putting my this is like 
like June of COVID, June 2020, right? Like this is no vaccines. This is 25 people. Like we're following mandates and all that stuff, but like still it was super stressful. But like I can have, I can meet you and say like, it's great to see you. How's your season? So good to see you and walk away. And in fact, you'll know that I really don't like you that well. If I'm the, if you're the very first person I talk to, because my goal is to get, to it, off like, list. get it off the list. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want them to feel like I'm harboring any negative feelings. I'm going to go be the professional. I'm going to go network for the 10 minutes. I'm going to go be kind. And then I'm going to walk away and I'll have to deal with it for the rest of the night. Yeah. Because I don't want to have that feeling like, oh my God, I should talk to them. And why they're going to think I'm not talking to them for this reason. Because we said this. Because mm-hmm. this happened, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm not thinking about it. Like, I just want to... Like, show that, like, it's it's business. Yeah. It's over. Like, it's not personal. Like, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I firmly believe, and I've, like, even in close relationships, when things are wrong in close relationships, I'm not saying, like, I'm an angel on those things, but there's a lot of times that the way people react to you is more indicative of, of what they're going through or their perception or their reality than it is actually about you. It is, but it's really hard to be okay with that. It's really hard that when you are going through something or when you're excited about something Mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever emotion that you are feeling, it's a big emotion, right? And you're bringing it to this person that you are, that you feel safe with for whatever reason. Right. And they meet it with whatever they're going through. And you can say, oh, that's just their own whatever, but they're pushing it back at you. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get over. Like it's really hard to say, to recognize that not only in the moment, but even later and say, well, this had nothing to do with me. I can say it all day long, but I'm not going to feel that way. Right. I'm still going to feel like they like were you like know, not supportive, not supportive or, or whatever, yeah. or that, or that they don't trust me or they don't care about me yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, cause it's just too hard. Being a human's hard. I know. And I, I don't know. I just, I thought that was, I thought that was like right off the bat. So powerful. Just yeah. like how, how powerful your words are and how much power we have as people over other people. And it's like scary and powerful. It is mostly scary because I have three children. <laughs> I know, but can you imagine all the things that they're and they're being raised by me? Like you know, <laughs> who has no filter? Who has no filter? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, Star Therapy Fund. I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm raising some very like uh, tenacious children. Sure, that's <laughs> probably what it is. Yeah, with like their own like spunk and grit. Like I can see some of that like coming out, which I can appreciate. Yeah, but. Ending on like something like super positive here. I loved how she said when like she was doing acting and like trying out some different things like theater and film and commercials, et cetera. But then her friend brought her into her voiceover studio. She said, and she said, just try it. I think you'd be good at it. They're like riffing back and forth. Yeah, and they're riffing back and forth. And she just felt like freedom. Like she mm-hmm. was like, this is what I want to do. And mm-hmm. she just felt that freedom and that gratitude for that was there ever a moment for you that you just felt like you just knew like I call it like when you're just kind of like locked in like you're locked and loaded like you're kind of like on the roller coaster like when you get in the roller coaster and like you put your your belt or whatever down and you're just like ready to go like there's nothing else you're gonna do like you're on the you're on the track and it's just going right you just where you're gonna be you know what I mean me and you ride roller coasters very differently because the I'm fine 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 you start the thing and I'm like I don't know if I do this why am I on this ride why did I do this this is not something I want to do I'm like terrified I'm gonna plummet to my death like Mm -hmm. this is really stupid and then it goes down and you're at the hill and it's like euphoric like oh that was fun yeah but it's like this constant like up and down thing but um, so 
I don't know, like a lot, like loaded in. But I, I really think for me, the first time I realized wedding planning was what I was good at. And I don't know if I could say it gave me freedom because yeah. I don't think at that point I was like, this is it. But it was right around that same time I quit teaching. And I said, this is what I want to do. But it was probably Kelly and Tanner's wedding. Or we had that yeah. really like logistically complicated. It was, it was in someone's backyard. Mm-hmm. There was like four different tents, like specially made for this thing. And mm-hmm. we, it was at the time, it is, it is still a pretty wedding, but it's very much dated mm-hmm. to the time that it was, which was like 2010. A lot of purple hydrangeas. It was a lot of purple hydrangeas, but it was beautiful. Yeah. And I remember, and I remember like just the feeling of, of, of accomplishment at the end of it and like how much they loved us. And I was, I got, I had a baby during their engagement and yeah. I remember they got me a baby gift and I just remember thinking like, like this is, this is joy. Like just genuinely doing something that you love to do. Yeah. I never felt that way during planning. Yeah. (laughs) Like legitimately, I never did, but I definitely was related to the Bradford. Like there was, there's always like, for me all throughout C&D events doing those things, it was always about the next thing, like the next goal building the Bradford, building the venue, like getting that started and like just the push for it, like selling the houses and like living in rentals and getting the cottages up and like getting it going and then wondering if it's going to fail and then getting over like my fear of like someone having an accident on my like property. Uh, Cause there was like a lot of like emotional things to get over during that time. But there is a time like a, a few years in that for me, like my mind was quieted. Mm. I didn't have that moment of like, what's the next thing? Like, what am I planning for? What's my future? What's whatever? Like, I just like was literally like in the moment, Mm -hmm. like in that's probably why it's taken me so long to get off the property. It's like in the house, in the moment, this is what I've worked for. Like, this is what we've done. This is all the things culminating. And it just like hit me one day where I was like, I'm where I dream to be. Right. Like, this is literally where I dream to be. And I didn't have any like, future goal at that moment. And I felt, it felt like it feels euphoric, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I obviously like things change and my wants change and like, we definitely have goals. I'm a goal oriented person and I always have vision, but like in that particular moment to not have something to strive for, cause you'd had it, you've had it. was kind of an amazing feeling. Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about The Hustle. To learn more about Bonnie Williams and her business, The VoiceOver Superhero, visit VOSuperhero.com or follow her on Instagram at VoiceOverSuperhero. And to learn more about our hustles, visit CNDEvents.com, TheBradfordNC.com, and HustleAndGather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at CNDEvents, at TheBradfordNC, and at HustleAndGather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.